right. Thanks for listening while we take that short break here at Revolution Radio FreedomSlips.com. And yeah, we're going to get back to your host. Welcome back. Hello. This is the second hour of the live Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett talking about, well, it is the eve of the false flag to end all false flags. Actually, it should be the false flag to start all false flags or accelerate false flags. We've been getting false flags on a constant basis since 9-11, and it changed the world and certainly not for the better. So that anniversary is coming up in just a few hours. It's currently 6 p.m. Pacific, where I am, 9 p.m. Eastern, where uh, my guest Jim Hogue is, and we're also bringing on Rowan Millar, who is out here with me in the Bay Area. He attended the 9-11 Truth Film Festival yesterday. And so let's let's get to it. We're actually competing right now with the Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth live stream, which just got rescheduled and is, is starting now. I probably shouldn't tell you that because a couple of the audience members will probably drop me and go listen to Rosie O'Donnell talking to the 9-11 family members but anyway, uh, here we are uh, talking 9-11 activism and maybe some COVID activism as well with uh, Jim Hogue on the East Coast and Rowan Millar on the West Coast. So, hey, welcome, Jim and Rowan. How are you? Thank you. Hey, Rowan, are you there, too? Yep. Hey, good. Hi, good Rowan. to have you guys. Okay. So let's see. Where do we start? Well, Jim, you know, you've, you've been on many times uh, and... You have uh, done some classic activism stuff. Uh, your Ballad of Ladder 5 is, uh, I think, maybe the the great 9-11 poem, or at least right up there with uh, Tom Bradenbach's work. And uh, you've also worked on Vermont secessionism, and you're now uh, leading the charge against the ever-escalating vaccine mandates. So maybe I'll let you set the agenda first. Uh, where do you want to start? I have done actually papers on the nature of false flags, and recently I've been comparing what you just said, 9/11, to the COVID event. So I could um, talk a little bit about the history of false flags and how they have certain things that are always in common. Uh, the most important of which is fiction. Because without the fiction, they can't control the narrative. And if they can't control the narrative, then the New York Times can't tell its lies. If, if you can't control the story, which you can't do if, you, if, you're, if the event is truthful, the, the truth tells the story. It's, it's hard to lie about things that are right in front of you. Whereas if you invent pretty much the whole thing, then you can control the narrative all the way through. And they have to be able to do that. They had to do it with 9-11. They had to basically invent Osama bin Laden. I'm not saying he wasn't a real person, but they had to invent the character who did 9-11 in order to pursue that entire narrative all the way through. And it got them into several wars doing that. And now we have the COVID narrative, which is... I don't know exactly how big a lie it is, but I know it's, it's a lie and it's a fiction. And with that fiction, they can come up with Delta. And what is it, five or six other variants they've come up with since? And as Dave Martin says, they've invented all of those because they can't even identify them. So if you can't identify them, that's kind of a hint, folks, that they've been invented. 
and with the New York Times leading the charge of the big lie, it's very easy. It's extremely easy for them to convince the American people that they should behave in a certain manner. And I've also just been listening to Cliff High, who has a wonderful take on how, and, you know, there's Carl Jung, I mean, there's a whole history of how to make people think the way you want them to think. I'm, I'm certainly not anywhere near an expert on that. I've just read the obvious, that this whole propaganda mechanism, this propaganda machine works really quite well. And they could get us into into Vietnam, but they had to have a false flag operation. They had to get rid of uh, JFK, RFK, Martin Luther King. And I could go on about the different false flag operations that had to happen so that they could do what they wanted to do. So with that little introduction, um, yeah, I, that's, can, that's great. I can stop and, and you know pick up things in a few minutes. Okay, let, let's let's turn to to Rowan here now. Personally, I don't think that COVID is a fiction, and I, I personally think I've looked at the arguments that that nobody has ever isolated COVID, and and maybe there's no such virus, and maybe there's no such thing as viruses in general, and these kinds of arguments. And I think that's highly unlikely. Personally, I think there probably is, really is a COVID nineteen virus, and it's probably roughly as bad as quote unquote, the science tells us, although I think the way they interpret the science is extremely, shall we say, tendentious and propagandistic. But so that's my my response. But let's let's hear what Rowan thinks. Rowan, are you on the same page with Jim on this? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with both of you that I agree that it's the narrative is largely fictional. Um, and I agree with with him that it's hard to know how much is fictional. And I agree with you that it seems likely that viruses do exist. From from what I know as a non-medical uh, observer, it seems likely that viruses exist. And I, I tend to guess at least that COVID is real, that COVID came from a lab and that it probably is dangerous. I, I, I do, I have seen evidence that there are a lot of numbers inflated for COVID. So the exact effect is hard to uh, really quantify, but, um, but I mean, if it is, you know, what it seems to be like a lab origin virus, then I would say that's inherently dangerous. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard to know. There's definitely a lot of fiction involved in it. You know, almost every step of the way, though, like from the origin to the response to like everything in between. Mm -hmm. And of course, if they want to create their own narrative and they determine sort of when the virus gets unleashed and they've been thinking about, you know, how to present the narrative in the case of a pandemic. And of course, the bio war people have been thinking hard about are we moving into a future of endemic biological warfare and so on and so forth. So they're very much pre-prepared to put out the kinds of narratives that will spin uh, popular uh, consciousness in the direction that they want. Uh, well, Jim, back to you. Okay. Well, the, one of the interesting lies that they tell, I can't, it's, you know, what's the difference between fiction and lie? Well, the, the fiction is that they've essentially decided what the story is before 
it all happens. The lie is what they have to lie about on the way through. And um, there have been quite a few doctors who have pointed out that remdesivir is the thing that's killing so many Americans. And they're just calling those COVID deaths, of course. And uh, in the song that I told you I wrote, there's a, there's a line about that. So uh, we can <laughs> we can get to that later if you want for, for humor. And uh, so that's the way that it works. They can continue to tell you uh, what they want you to know because essentially it's a fiction. When, when people die, they can say what it's from. Uh, right from the beginning, uh, the doctors, uh, frontline doctors, have been saying that uh, COVID deaths are not what they say they are and that they're also covering up big time for the vaccine deaths. So if they're covering up for vaccine deaths and they're covering up for remdesivir deaths, then all these numbers are fictitious. And, of course, you know that the PCR test has been recognized as as fake by even, you know, Fauci and the CDC and Gates. And there are a lot of experts who've said that the PCR test is just a way of scaring the American people because they can change the numbers by the threshold, by the cycle threshold. So when they shot it up to 40, you had all these people with cases and the PCR positive PCR test the media turned it into a case, so they can do whatever they want with that story. So yeah, that, 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 that's an interesting point, uh, and I, I, I partially agree, but overall, uh, not. I don't completely agree with the perspective that you've put out there. In, in you know, because my, in my reading of the death stats before there was even a vaccine, a vaccine didn't come out until December of this year, and so for 2020 pre-vaccine it does appear that there probably were about half a million excess deaths in the U.S., and the majority of those probably really were due to COVID and the problems with, that people have had breathing when they get COVID. I have personally experienced. I, I got COVID. Mm -hmm. I, at least I may have had it twice. The first time I didn't have the lung problem, and that was back in February, early February of 20, uh, 2020. But then uh, just last uh, early July, I got what was almost certainly COVID with a really nasty kind of lung thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I can well imagine that my like my highly COVID skeptical friend, Jim Fetzer, for example, was hospitalized. Yeah. for this. We're going to talk about our experiences having COVID next week on this show. Bottom line, though, I think there really is a virus. I think it you know, it messes with people's lungs uh, pretty badly. Not always. You know, sometimes people don't even know they have it. But, yeah, it's probably killing maybe half a percent, uh, one out of 200 people that get it, uh, especially older people with uh, with issue, other issues, comorbidities. So I, I think that whole story is based about COVID is basically true. As for the PCR tests, yes, I agree that they are diddled and twiddled. Uh, it, it's even questionable now whether they're actually running different cycle thresholds for vax versus unvax people. And in order to make it look like uh, more unvax people have COVID, that's quite possible. Um, and, and so it's uh, those tests are not, you know, not entirely always reliable, but it's it's actually a lot more complex than the, some of the simplistic critiques have put it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you want to get into the numbers, I don't know if, just very briefly, 
if you test a population that actually has a lot of COVID, it tends to they PCR, if you run a reasonable cycle threshold, is pretty accurate. If you test a population that doesn't have very much COVID or has no COVID at all, it can become extremely inaccurate or even 100% accurate because it's going to give you some false positives. So if you test a COVID-free population, you're going to get nothing but false positives. In other words, it's 100% inaccurate. Whereas if you test a population that's got, say, you know, one-fifth of the people have COVID, God forbid, uh, almost every positive is going to be accurate. And so it's going to be 90 plus, 95% plus accurate. So that's the numbers with those tests. And the bottom line of those tests, Jim, is that the more you say that they're false positives, the worse the virus looks. Because you see, the, the way you see how, how, how bad the virus is is you compare fatalities to the number of cases. So if you say most of those supposed cases are actually fake, they're not real cases, they're false positives, what you're doing is you're saying that the virus is not killing one out of 200 people, it's killing one out of 100 or maybe even one out of 50, which is what my crazy COVID panicking friend uh, Gordon Duff at Veterans Today thinks. Uh, I think he's completely insane. <laughs> but the bottom line is that as you, you say the tests are giving you false positives, all you're saying is the virus is actually worse than they tell us. So there's my t- take. Uh, Rowan, what do you think? I mean, I think as as uh, was it Jim was saying uh, that I think it is I think scientists and doctors are open about the fact that it does give false positives. So I don't know if that makes COVID look bad or not, but that's I'm pretty sure that's pretty incontrovertible. I mean, just as you were saying, you know, like it does give some false positives, and you know, and if it's it doesn't make it 100% accurate in any. you know, to be 100% inaccurate, it would have to be wrong. You know, every negative would have to be a positive and every positive would have to be a negative. But um, but I do think, you know, like, I mean, it's not really my focus as much, but in terms of the COVID numbers, I do, I, I would definitely respect the, the uh, possibility that it's the remdesivir that's, uh, you know, inflating some of those numbers and also the uh, people being put on ventilators that, you know, basically killed them. Um, I mean, that's at least a perspective that I've heard a lot of uh, doctors and other people uh, put forward very convincingly. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, me too. And, and sending COVID sick people into care homes, uh, as Cuomo did in New York, probably really. Yeah. But I just mean that there's a lot of like false, uh, like there's so many stories of doctors being told that, you know, of uh, nurses and doctors saying that they were basically told to label deaths as COVID when there was no real real reason to assume it was COVID. And a lot of doc, uh, hospitals were basically paid more if they said they had COVID patients or, you know, if they claimed that, whereas those patients, they, they could have been dying from another respiratory illness. You know, the flu seemed to like disappear somehow. So maybe some of them have uh, another type of flu, H1N1 type thing. So I mean, there's a lot of unknowns, but I certainly would not would would not assume that the numbers are correct for that either. Okay, well, Jim, you're, <laughs> take it from there. Uh, one thing about the numbers is that the different populations, of course, have different numbers. When you get into the, in the young people, particularly kids, it's the, the deaths are, um, are the it's it's ninety nine point nine nine eight which is like none, no, no kids die from COVID, essentially. 
And then as you move up through the populations, you get an, another tiny bit more from that. And then another bit about the numbers is the VAERS, the vaccine uh, reporting system. Even the Harvard study says that historically one out of 100 people report. What happens to them? Less, less than 1%. Yeah. Even, and even so less, with, yeah. With, the, with the deaths, the reports are obviously coming from some official source, like you know the doctor or the hospital or something like that. And even there, the uh, the deaths from the vaccines, even if they're highly, highly underreported, they're incredibly high, given that it's supposedly, of course, it's not a vaccine. We probably all know that, that it's this code material. David uh, Martin says it's a code that is injected into your body that creates pathogens, which is why people were, were beginning to get more and more deaths as a result, but they're not calling them vaccine deaths. You've seen the, uh, the word coming out from the CDC, if you die soon after it, it's, it's not considered a vaccine death, and if you die too late after it, it's not considered a vaccine death. I mean, these, what they're doing, like I said at the beginning, is that their, their narrative has to fit the plan of the narrative from the beginning. So that's why they're twisting the actual events. And we have, we just don't know. I mean, you can go by what the Harvard people said, multiply times a hundred, or you can find, you know, you can figure out your own way, but they're definitely lying about the number of people who died from the vaccine. And there's no statistic except from Dr. Uh, what is his name? Abris Ar- I wrote it down somewhere, uh, who is referring to a tremendous amount of deaths from remdesivir because they cause kidney failure, which causes pulmonary edema. And so people are drowning from remdesivir. And he said that is all going, all these deaths are being counted as COVID, COVID deaths. So however they're doing it, it, uh, it's looking a lot worse in terms of the, the numbers of deaths from COVID when you have to add all the vaccine deaths and you have to add all the remdesivir deaths and you have to add all, add all the flu deaths. And then what does that come out to? I, I don't know. Well, one of the alarming things about it is that the kind of conversation we're having right now is totally banned from all social media. You can get deplatformed for having this conversation. And even if I don't agree with everything I'm hearing from you, Jim, and I don't, um, I'm actually a lot closer to the mainstream view of COVID than you are. Um, I'm not allowed to listen to you and I'm not allowed to try to refute what you say or correct or at least offer my view of uh, these issues that you're raising. And to me, that's a red flag because mm-hmm. if, if they want us to accept uh, a particular view of things, banning Everybody who questions that view, just making it impossible to hear the critiques of that view, to me that actually undermines the credibility of the view that they're trying to promote. What would uh, help their credibility would be some way of trying to find the best uh, alternative views and put them up against the best attempts to refute them. That's how we can find the truth. But rather than doing that, they are just airbrushing out everybody 
who's putting out any kind of alternative view of any of this. And that's really scary. That that tells me that there's something wrong. Now, if you're going to put the most favorable spin on it, I guess you could say, okay, they know that these COVID vaccines or maybe non-vaccines, depending on, they just changed the definition of vaccine. So now they are vaccines again, but hey, whatever they are, clearly they are killing way more people than any other vaccine in history with the possible exception of the uh, the polio vaccines in the 50s that were accidentally tainted with cancer-causing monkey virus, which may have been responsible for up to 50% or more of all cancer deaths in the United States from the mid-1950s through God knows when, maybe almost even today. That's uh, for, for more information on that, read uh, Haslam, Edward Haslam's book on uh, Mary and the monkey virus or whatever he changed the title to. Uh, but in any case, it's clear that with that exception, the COVID vaccines are uh, causing more damage and death than any other vaccine. Uh, so that, I think, is is unquestioned. That's not medical misinformation. That's just fact. But putting the favorable spin on this, the authorities might claim that COVID being so contagious with a 1 in 100 to 1 in 200 fatality rate, if it burns through the population like it will do if we don't try to slow it down or attenuate it, it kills you know between one and one percent and point five percent of the entire planet's population, which is a, the biggest pile of bodies ever killed by anything on Earth, and we can't allow that. So even though these vaccines are highly imperfect and they may be you know killing a heck of a lot of people compared to other vaccines, the death and damage toll from these vaccines is uh, much, much smaller than the death and damage toll from COVID. Therefore, we are justified in propagandizing the population to get the darn vaccines. And all those people that, that die and have terrible effects from the vaccines are just uh, collateral damage. Tough luck for them, because in terms of population health and public health policy, we need to vax everybody or we're going to have the biggest pile of bodies in human history. So that's the uh, most favorable spin I think you could put on the authorities position on this. Not terribly yeah. favorable, but uh, <laughs> what, what do you think, Rowan? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't really, I mean, I don't think I wouldn't really uh, agree with that, you know, as a, as myself, obviously, but um, I mean, that would be their claim, but, I, but I would, you know, refer to the same numbers that uh, Jim was saying the, from the Verizon website. Like when when it's the fact is the people who are dying from these vaccines are not just collateral damage. They're they're erased. You know, they're erased. They're, they're not acknowledged in the news. They're not acknowledged by anybody except us, you know, basically. And so and a lot of them are very pro-vax people, very you know, pro-media establishment, academia, whatever, but they're still treated just like we are. They're treated like pariahs just because they are inconvenient to the narrative because the fact is when a vaccine is killing this many people or a pseudo-vaccine is killing this many people, it's not an effective vaccine. I mean, just based on the numbers, there's, you know, six, almost 7,000 uh, listed on the VAERS website and they and the Harvard study that's been done on this in uh, you know years ago showed that less than one percent is typically reported. So you know that makes um, I would say you know about a million deaths just as the just as going off their data, 
just going off, you know, just pretending that we don't have a bias and we don't want to believe something nice and we're just being scientists and we look at the only data we have, that would be the logical conclusion. And they're saying that the COVID has created 600,000 deaths, but there is hard evidence that those numbers are inflated. So just based on like pure, you know, hard evidence that I've seen, um, you know, I certainly lean towards that the uh, vaccine is killing much more than COVID did. And, and in terms of COVID being like the worst pathogen in history, like, you know, like the, the flu in 1918 killed like half the world. So COVID is like not even on the same, you know, you know, like, and I think it was uh, during World War One. But, um, but yeah, I think we're witnessing a, a global Holocaust right now. And the deaths are all just being reported as something else or a lot of them are being yeah, re reported as COVID. They're saying like, well, I guess they just got a breakthrough case and died like right after they got the vaccine. Because the fact is the, the majority of these deaths are within three days or certainly that's, you know, the biggest cluster is within the first three days. So, you know, that's what a doctor would look for if they were trying to analyze data and, and determine a cause. Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about that, but um, it, there is actually, it looks like, uh, some evidence that when vaccine mass vaccination programs start, uh, there's an uptick in the COVID death rate, and it's happened in several different countries, Israel being one where they kept very close records. And yeah. it seems, you know, one explanation for that would be that, yeah, these would be COVID deaths. However, it may be that when people get vaccinated, uh, what it does, of course, is it stimulates the production of antibodies. And that process takes uh, up to two weeks before you end up with a lot of antibodies. And so during the like the, right when you get vaccinated, uh, your body is, thinks that it's under serious attack by some hideous virus that's gotten past the first line of defense or the first many, many lines of defense with the innate immune system, the mucosal immune system, and so on. Those are the first lines of defense. And if they work, you never have to manufacture any antibodies. But if some nasty bug gets past that first line of defense, now your antibodies start kicking in and it takes a while. It takes up to a couple of weeks before they're at full strength. So anyway, your body, when you get vaccinated and they, it tricks you, your body into making all of these spike proteins, your body thinks that you're under terrible attack by something really nasty that got past your innate immune system. And so at least according to some experts on this subject, uh, you are then actually losing some uh, some power and energy in your innate immune system. That is, the immune system has a certain amount of energy for the entire thing, and there's all of these different aspects of it. And if your immune system panics and goes into full-scale produce those antibodies mode, it, uh, the rest of your immune system, mucosal and other aspects of the uh, innate immune system, actually are dialed down. They lose that energy. They don't get supplied the, uh, the energy. It's being taken away to make those antibodies. And so that could explain why somebody who's got, you know, they contacted COVID, they've got some COVID virus reproducing in their system, blowing up a few cells, they go in and get vaccinated, their body uh, panics and starts the process that's going to lead to those, uh, those antibodies being produced. But their innate immune system actually gets downgraded just at the wrong time. And in some of those cases, they end up being a COVID death 
that wouldn't have happened if they hadn't been vaccinated. Now, what I just what I just said is a reasonable supposition based on what I've read from a whole bunch of highly qualified experts. But I'm not allowed to say it. <laughs> but I said it anyway. So, Jim, what do you think? Yeah. OK, well, I've got three different points uh, based on what you both have said so far. First of all, they've admitted that the vaccine, well, which I'm, I shouldn't say vaccine because then I'm promoting that what I think is an incorrect narrative of uh, the material that gets put in you uh, does not. And they've admitted this does not stop you from spreading whatever it is. So you can get, you know, your double vaccines and everybody around you is just as vulnerable as everybody was before you got the vaccines. So what my doctor says is, yes, but it helps you. It keeps you from dying from COVID-19. I can't really argue with that because it's just one of those things that, you know, that doctors are supposed to say. But they also have to say that it doesn't stop you from getting it, really, and it doesn't stop you from spreading it. So therefore, what, what's the deal going on here? You know, to get the vaccine and then you don't have to wear a mask. Oh, whoops, you do have to wear a mask. Why do you have to wear a mask? Oh, because the mm-hmm. vaccine doesn't work. And why do you have to get a vaccine? Because the mask doesn't work. So, <laughs> you know, are you going to fall for that or what? So the other point is, um, and you, you've probably seen Dr. Campbell from England, He's a, a pro-vaccine yeah. guy, but he, as, as pro-vaccine as he is, he is livid about the silence of the media and the medical professions, the silence they have about ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine and zinc, and vitamin D3. These are proved over and over again. Mexico, India, I forget the latest, Japan. I mean, these studies are ironclad. They work. They keep people out of the hospital. The the effects of the COVID are minimized. And nobody even gets to the hospital. Nobody dies. It's like, you know, 82% improvement everywhere they do it. So why are they silent? I mean, that to me is murder. That's the worst thing they have done so far is when they have a cure they have made it illegal in the United States to do that. And some of these doctors are saying, and people like, you know, Cliff High are saying, how many people have died because they won't let hospitals use ivermectin? Now, my personal take on why is pretty simple, that insurance companies don't like it because it's not part of the big money thing. You know, it's, it's basically free. I, can, I, I give it to my horses. So it's a, it's very, very cheap. So, and you actually have horses, Jim, and you've been photographed in your fantastic Ethan Allen revolutionary garb uh, riding around on your horses. So you you know about this horse medicine. Yes, I've uh-huh. used it for years. And, and, it's uh, and you were the horses. <laughs> I've, I've used it for the horses for years. And I don't use it nearly as often as I'm supposed to because I, I always forget. But, um, you know, a couple times a year at at least you're supposed to use it for parasites in the horse. And um, there it is, in, you know, right in my little toolkit there. And I could use it if I wanted to on me if I felt that I was getting COVID and my local uh, medical establishment wouldn't let me, you know, if they don't have an official human dose, 
then maybe I would end up doing that. I don't well, know. So, anyway, Jim, I, I could have gotten it. I could have asked you for some horse pills then when I had COVID. I, but actually, I, I attribute the ban on ivermectin to saving my life. And here's why. Um, I contacted a doctor that I trust uh, tremendously, um, Eric Beef in Belgium. He gave me some protocols. Uh, you know, I, I actually got pretty sick for like, you know, maybe 12 hours. I was a little, little concerned. Anyway, he gave me these protocols, which included ivermectin. However, I couldn't find any ivermectin quickly enough. I, you know, I knew that it probably won't really help that much unless you get it right away. And I couldn't find any. So guess what? That saved my life. Here's why. It pissed me off. And I said, the hell with it. I'm not going to die because these bastards made it impossible for me to get any ivermectin. And so mm -hmm. that kicked in my stubbornness uh, syndrome and uh, kept me alive. Well, good. I'm well, three, the, uh, there were three doctors. I, I, I have a hard time remembering. I've seen so many doctors testify. Uh, they said that you might as well call it vitamin D3 deficiency disease because in their experience, they haven't had a single COVID patient showing any symptoms who was really up on his vitamin D quotient. And most Americans don't have enough vitamin D3 because they're not out in the sun enough. If, Absolutely. If not to mention, you know, eating the right foods and all that kind of thing. But we tend to be indoors too much. I have a farm, so that's not my problem. But um, so there's that. The Even the vax people are up in arms and stunned at these proven cures that are not in use. So, and my third point had to do with um, whether or not there are antibodies at work, and I, I don't know the answer to that one, uh, but I do know that the point of Fauci going to Wuhan in 1999, and this is pretty well known now, he lied about it in, in to, to Congress, but it's, I believe it's been proved that the reason he went to Wuhan with the coronavirus in 1999 was to develop a biological weapon. And by what they discovered was the spike protein. And so the, the goal of this move to Wuhan and all the money that you and I spent developing this thing in Wuhan was to create the spike protein, which creates the pathogen, which many people are saying is going to kill a lot of people who are now double, have their double um, injection. So that's the far end of the conspiracy theories. You know, that's out there, but we won't know. We'll know. I mean, you and I will know because we'll be reading all the alternative news as to whether or not Fauci's plan is working. It seems to have worked in Israel pretty thoroughly because a lot of those people have had three now, three injections. And we, we don't know for sure how many people died, but even if they're lying, an awful lot of people have died and become sick in Israel. So anyway, that's my take on those three little things. Um, I think, uh, do you want to start tying anything into 9-11 at some point? Yeah, we, we should. I, I, maybe I, I, I want to just inject something on uh, regarding ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and other, you know, things like that. I mean, I think at least in the beginning, part of the motivation was to um, that if they admitted that there was a um, 
that there was a suitable alternative to a vaccine, then it would have, and then it would get in the way of their um, of the emergency use authorization because part of emergency use authorization requires there to be no possible alternative treatment of the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, maybe now they're using the remdesivir, so it be a different scenario. I just wanted to throw in some other things that I had discovered in my research that uh, it seems that the, you know, they're, they're always talking on TV about that the Pfizer vaccine is FDA approved. And from what I've seen from doctors talking about it is there is a Pfizer vaccine that is approved or in the approval process, but it's a separate vaccine from the one that's currently available. So that's right. like a bait and switch on a vast scale that every you know major TV and newspaper is uh, repeating verbatim, and um, and same with you know when they say there's all these people in the hospital and 99% of them are unvaccinated and they 99% have the Delta variant. Those are both completely made up numbers that they have no shame anymore in just like because there's no basis for it you know like if you look at the the only real data that we have which are just from limited uh you know like massachusetts and maybe in oklahoma or something in many cases it's the opposite the majority uh hospitalized for covid um are vaccinated and you know i think the most skewed the other way that i saw was maybe it was oklahoma or somewhere around there that was like 25% 25% of the people hospitalized for COVID were vaccinated. So it was nothing like the numbers that they're, yeah, nothing like the numbers they're saying on the TV of like every, basically everybody and, you know, they're all unvaccinated and they're clogging up our hospitals. You know, there was a in uh, New Jersey that was saying that, you know, their hospital, her hospital is getting clogged up by vaccinated people um, not for COVID, but for just all these heart problems and all these other problems and that they're having a much larger, you know, influx of patients than she's ever seen in her entire career. And that that all started when the vaccine rollout began. But, and, and a lot of the doctors and nurses privately acknowledge that kind of, you know, that fact that it did happen at the same time, but they're, they, you know, you're shunned if you say it publicly, basically. Um, and yeah, oh, and another thing I wanted to throw in was just that, like, that I think that when uh, Joe Biden uh, made a federal holiday of Juneteenth, that it seemed that that was actually a ploy so that the CDC could cancel its meeting on the vaccine side effects, which was scheduled for June 18th. And uh, because the CDC on their on their website, they put out a thing they're like well in honor of the new federal holiday Juneteenth which was not even that day it was actually the next day but I think they probably were confused or something that we are canceling our meeting on you know about the uh the high rate of uh adverse side effects especially for young men with heart you know like heart uh cardiovascular effects from the vaccines and we're gonna you know try to work it into some future meeting and basically bury it so it, they're going. They're pulling out all the stops with this psyop. So happy Juneteenth, everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good holiday, right? But I think it was used. It was used in the worst way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, so Jim, you wanted to work 9/11 into the conversation. Um, obviously, there are some parallels between 9/11 and COVID. Uh, both of them have terrorized the population into submission. Um, 
and uh, both of them uh, obviously have a kind of an official narrative that's been imposed and people who oppose the official narrative have been marginalized or worse. And, and I would add that it looks to me like ultimately, I think both are geopolitical in a parallel way. Basically, 9-11 was about going to war with the Islamic world and mm -hmm. providing excuses for attacking Muslim nations for many generations, uh, implanting Islamophobia deep in people's uh, subconscious. And I think COVID was somewhat similar, uh, but maybe more slow acting and sort of boil the frog slowly in terms of working against China. I think the reason that Fauci's people funded gain-of-function bat coronavirus research in Wuhan was precisely to set China up so that when U.S. biological warfare people seeded uh, uh, COVID in Wuhan in October of 2019 in such a way that with the exponential increase, the virus would be suddenly becoming very, very widespread and, and problematic right in time for the Chinese New Year when the entire nation of China is passing through Wuhan on the way to visit their relatives in, in Jan mid to late January, that this was a biological attack on China designed to try to slow or damage uh, China's economy, which is the big problem for the Western bankster elite. So just as the Zionist side of the Western bankster elite needed to target Islam and use 9-11 to do that, I think the same thing is happening now with China, and I predict that we will increasingly be led to blame China, just as you know, Trump blamed China because Trump's administration launched the bioattack on China, and then the Democrats, of course, kind of toned that down. But now the Democrats have jumped on board with the blame China thing. So I think we're going to see, A, the future of ever-increasing pervasive biological warfare uh, and or the threat of escalating that biological warfare, primarily U.S warfare to try to stop China's economy. And, uh, and number two, we're going to see an increase in the blame China rhetoric around COVID. And that's going to be used to weaponize uh, the American uh, consciousness to make it possible to do whatever they think is necessary to prevent China from supplanting the Baxter elite controlled U.S. as the world's number one power. So that's my take on the 9-11 COVID parallels. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, well, I agree uh, 100%. I would add one thing that you kind of hinted at, and that's the money. Uh, in both cases, in 9-11 and in the COVID, the people who planned this have made gazillions of dollars. And you look, and you, it, with 9-11, we knew who they were because we, we knew who, who was invested in what military industrial complex, et cetera, et cetera, and how many of them were invested in the in PNAC coming through and the Patriot Act being enacted they knew what to invest in in order to make money. And then, of course, on the initial day, all the people who short sold the American Airlines and all that kind of thing. So there, there were gazillions of dollars made from 9-11, and there are gazillions of dollars being made from COVID by the very people who planned COVID. And um, I've read, I, again, I, I, I didn't re-look up anything but um, the names of the people are available in terms of how much money they could make. And Fauci is one of them who gains financially from this. And our governor apparently his um, net worth has jumped from about one and a half million, 1.3 million to about 14 million 
recently, and uh, he's been funded partly by Pfizer. Uh, so that there's no way of knowing totally how much money has been made, but my God, we, we know that it's a tremendous amount. And it's been made. Here's the the, the far end of, of my part of the conspiracy. It's been made to kill people. The if the eugenics people are behind a lot of the funding of this, and they're behind the philosophy, and they're behind the action. So when you get the Schwab in Germany, Gates in over here, Fauci. These people, particularly Fauci, has a known history. And there's a book about Fauci now. I, I, can't, I haven't picked it up yet, but it um, tells the story of Fauci's involvement in HIV, in AIDS, and in the, the coronavirus work right from the beginning. And so he has a tremendous amount to gain from this. And what the hopium people are saying is that, you know, it won't be long before he's arrested and tried for uh, Nuremberg Code violations and crimes against humanity. I, I don't believe that because, um, and as, as I say in my screenplay, all of these people have historically been above the law. There have been essentially no prosecutions in the United States going back 100 years to these uh, big pharma crimes. And that's another part of the history that we could get into if, if we want to. So anyway, that's, that's where I would agree with you, particularly in everything you just said, plus the money, where I would flip the, the coin a little bit is that with 9-11, it was before the internet was really well established. And so what the New York Times and et cetera said was even though it was obvious to people like us that they were blatant lies, most people didn't care if they were lies or they didn't know it or whatever it was. But, you know, the weapons of mass destruction thing, that wasn't what the New York Times said. I mean, the New York Times didn't accuse the Bush administration for lying about weapons of mass destruction. They didn't go after Colin Powell for his big lies so that you had this massive mainstream media push to convince Americans that they had to go, that they not only had to go to war against Afghanistan, who was completely innocent of everything, but then they had to go to war against Iraq and um, Tripoli, where, where am I, uh, Libya, and, and then eventually Syria. There was this connection, you know, that uh, Wesley Clark explained. And so there's that with 9-11 and with, with COVID, the Internet has branched, has so many branches now that you've got BitChute and you've, you've got all these other ways of finding out the truth. And to make my point, look at what YouTube and Twitter and all the way down to the local front porch forums you are not allowed to say certain things. And you made that point earlier tonight. Look at what you can't criticize to find out who's the boss. And that's very evident through what you're not allowed to put out about COVID-19. You're not, like you said, you're not allowed to put out positive information 
about things that mm-hmm. work. But, I mean, that's that's murder. Well, I, I can't even argue against you. I'm not allowed to let you uh, say things that Fauci disagrees with. And then I, if I critique them and disagree with them, too, I'm still not allowed to even do that. I'm not allowed to play the role of, of supporting the official wisdom either. We're not allowed to hear your critiques in the first place. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Well, it's carefully worked out. You know, I mean, we can say it's insane, but they know what they're doing. And, oh, yeah. Well, uh, of course, yeah, they're making us conspiracy theorists are now a threat to public health. Their misinformation is going viral. You know, all of these metaphors that used to be just yeah. metaphors, they made them real when they created this bioweapon. Yeah, we're trying to save lives. You and I, those of us on this side of the fence, are trying to save lives with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, as, as Trump was initially. And, and we're not allowed to. So go figure. You know, what, what are they up to? And some of the people who are much more knowledgeable about all of this than I am have come to the conclusion that it's depopulation. That's the goal here, is depopulation. That wouldn't surprise me. And there have been questions raised about the long-term effects of COVID and or the spike proteins on people's fertility. And, And it kind of reminds me of that Dan Brown novel, Inferno, in which you think that they're going to depopulate yeah. the world by spreading an evil virus that's going to kill everybody. And then at the end, you find out, uh, spoiler alert, that they're actually spreading a virus that's going to make everybody or almost everybody infertile. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if, if COVID ends up being something like that, although probably a lot less drastic. But there, there's an interesting case that there's been an ongoing attack on fertility in the Western countries uh, since World War II using everything from uh, fluoride in the water supply to uh, possibly uh, EMF and uh, various other means of uh, pollution, uh, certain things put in plastics and so on. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's all actually fairly plausible. Uh, what do you think, Rowan? Um, in terms of the end goal, I mean, I think it's obvious they don't, they don't mind depopulation. I mean, but that was that's always obvious. Like you know, anybody who knows how the the U.S. and you know Western Anglo ruling class operates, they're they're genociding people every day, and they have been, and so um, and and including in the U.S. You know, they've been doing this type of stuff. Uh, you know, Tuskegee. They've been you know releasing viruses in the Bay Area and other places for decades. Um, so I mean, I'm not sure. If that's the end game, I mean, it seems like, I don't know. I feel like it might be something more complicated than that, but definitely, absolutely, they don't mind uh, depopulation. Um, I was just going to also, as a relation to 9-11, I think Alan Dershowitz was, or maybe I'm thinking of whoever was the head of... uh, Victoria's Secret, who worked very closely with Epstein. Basically, Epstein supplied the and Ghislaine supplied the models for Victoria's Secret and like the underage models, and um, they were part of that same. They're part of the network, and and that guy was basically the head of it. And he was. Yeah, you're, also, you're talking about Les Wexner. Yeah, Les Wexner, and maybe in concert with uh, Dershowitz, that they were highly involved in the response to 9-11 and shape molding uh, public opinion about that. And um, 
at least for sure with his very COVID. Um, and this article, and maybe even a book, but at least an article like promoting like uh, COVID um, vaccine mandates and going like really far with it and saying, you know, if you, if you complain, like saying that people who compared to the star of David are all anti-Semites and just like, you know, I mean, that, that guy is crazy. So he's, you know, or at least his arguments he makes are crazy. Maybe he's a very rational, so, you know, in a sociopathic way, but, um, but yeah, like definitely it seems like the same people, you know, that's like basically Trump's associates, Clinton, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell, Lex Wexner, uh, Alan Dershowitz, you know, that was basically CIA, NSA, Mossad, MI6, and even connections to Russian intelligence, oddly enough. Um, you know, that's, they were very involved in 9-11, and they're very involved in probably a lot of those people and, and the lesser-known satellites from that are very involved in this. And part of how they're able to orchestrate such mass, uh, you know, conspiracies like 9-11 or like this is exactly through what Ghislaine and Epstein did, which is basically, you know, they blackmailed the world. They blackmailed all the elites because a lot of the elites are scumbags. So it's not hard to, you know, dangle some underage girl in front of them and have them or, or, or something else. You know, they used anything they could use to get all the elites in their pocket, be it Bill Gates, uh, you know, I'm not sure all the people in those books, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that weren't in the books as well. So I think that's, you know, that's one reason why some of the secrets don't get out quicker. That's an explanation why people don't spill the beans is because a lot of, the, a lot of them are being blackmailed and for, you know, for very uh, hideous things that they themselves have done. Okay. Yeah, well, sure. we're, we're yeah, Jim, Jim, we're, we're just about, just, just, yeah, just about at the end of the show, we have about 30 seconds left. So ah, uh, briefly, your re reaction to vaccine mandates and Biden uh, mandating them for federal employees, corporations with over 100 people, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just that. Well, so what should sorry we do? We didn't, uh, I, uh, we didn't get to my, the fun part, which is my screenplay in the song, but maybe another time. Yeah, well, send, send me the link, and I'll put that link up at the radio blog that people can get to by going to truthjihad.com and click on the radio schedule link. Uh, okay, yeah, for that. But I, I don't want to send out the text of the, of the song because people won't get it. You have to hear the music with the song. You, do you have it on YouTube or something? Not yet. I'm going to be okay, producing it. And then okay. put it up on, I'll put it up on my own channel. There you go. And send me the link, and I will post it, and people can find it by going to truthjihad.com. Click on the radio schedule link. Find the entry for this show. Uh, this Jim Hogan, Roland Millar. We'll be back. Uh, sorry, this, I think we hit the end, so this is it. Thank you, guys. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate it, Rowan. And appreciate it, Jim. Take care. God bless. Thank you. Uh, all the listeners and see you guys see everybody next time yep. yeah. bye bye